Good morning. It's uh, March the 15th, on Friday, and um, online again with Ben Waddington for Resleeves, our second show. Yes, very much looking forward to um, this one. I think um, the theme came from just having a look at my uh, Swans ticket, which arrived uh, recently. It's um, a show on April the 1st. <clears throat> At HMV, if, if uh, is it still called this, HMV um, Institute in Birmingham, <laughs> a uh, um, live show from the Swans. Um, uh, if, if there's time for you to get the ticket, I recommend going to see. But it also coincided with an opportunity then to uh, um, think about some of the, the design associated with um, Swans uh, releases over the last, how long has it been? 30 years. Yes, 1982, I guess, is the starting of their, their career. The first album is 83, yeah. And as with our Bowie-themed um, uh, podcast last time, um, there seems to be a, um, a, a kind of a time bracket. What I mean by that is um, from their most recent release, The Seer, and the, the first album release, anyway, the um, uh, album Filth. I, I when when I opened um, Seer when that uh, arrived, that um, I felt there was a very close parallel with the the graphic for Filth, with the grimacing, uh, exposed human teeth. Yes. Um, the, I, I wondered whether it was a. It's some kind of comment on coming full circle or revisiting the past or um, or something. Uh, a closer examination of the the dog-like figure. I say dog-like because I'm not convinced it is merely a dog. The um, the the, the um, painting of the uh, um, sparsely lit, um, very shaggy, um, almost puppy-like dog figure that appears on the seer seems to have very human teeth. I, I think I would expect to see uh, a spikier kind of tooth in the mouth of um, yes. a, a dog like that. Well, indeed, <laughs> well, indeed I've, see, I've seen... This is, this is a Simon Henwood uh, painting, isn't it, that features on both sides of the, of the album. Yeah. I, d I don't have the physical uh, artefact in this case, but... Um, but the, I've seen it referred to in a number of different places as a, a dog featuring Gira's teeth. So ah, yeah. the front, the front man of swans, um, and and I believe isn't, isn't that also what we're seeing on Filth, or is it a, just a library image? I always I was always um, under the impression it was it was Michael Gira's teeth on Filth, but that could just be a legend. Yeah, there's a kind of broken down quality, a quite grainy quality to the uh, um, to the picture, to the photograph of the teeth, which might suggest being uh, removed from a textbook. But I can't I can't think of anything um, special about the teeth that would mean it would be in the textbook. Mm. They're, they're quite crooked, if that's anything to go with. They're quite ground down. My own, some, some of my teeth look like this. The uh, uh, expression of anxiety wearing the teeth down. Mm -hmm. So maybe this is what uh, uh, he's imagining himself as: is this uh, uh, human stroke dog-like figure? 
Yes, it, it certainly is an interesting thing. It was when, it, when you pointed out to me that connection between the two, I hadn't uh, immediately clocked it, but it, I think it makes it makes a great deal of sense. And it, and it, and these two albums do kind of bracket, as you say, the whole of Swan's twelve album output. Um, and and looking at the sleeves, there there are definitely distinct phases of evolution in the way that design has been used but I, but I think all the way through what's constant for me is that is that it's clear that for swans for Michael Gera in particular the sleeve art is just as much an expression of 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 what he what he has to say of what the music is intended to convey as the music itself it's always felt very very connected for me yes i can't think of so many bands where it's um, been crystal clear what you can expect to, or have a, a, a very good understanding of what you're going to experience by listening to that music. Mm. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I think I, I, I suspect that my first introduction to Swans was through the sleeve art, that I came at it not having heard it and purchased those records, those. Um, Kind of early period ones, maybe the kind of the kind of second period, if you like, with the with greed and holy money, and the singles around that time, and purchase those because of the attraction of the imagery that through the sleeves, the very typographical graphical approaches that we're getting vector art, um, and then dug back into their back catalogue, uh, the two the two preceding albums from that, but it, but it was the the artwork, the imagery that drew me in, and there was never a sense that the music could have been anything other than yeah. what it was. It was absolutely the purest expression of the, these kind of symbolism, this imagery, this really strong, um, strong iconography, if you like. Well, my, I think my first um, uh, uh, exposure to the, at least the name Swans was just by reading live reviews in Melody Maker. In, it must have been 1985 or 6. Mm. And I, I don't think I even actually read the, the reviews. I think I, I saw that there was a band called Swans and thought, well, I'm not going to be interested in them. <laughs> uh, I, I saw it as a, a, quite a twee um, indie pop uh, name <laughs> and thought, well, not really my thing. Uh, and then um, once I did see uh, the, um, I think the first album that I, I bought was uh, Children of God. Um, yeah, that uh, I, I thought I'd misjudged, you know, unfairly misjudged the band. And then when I heard the sound, so that, that mm. uh, um, changed my uh, uh, take on swans. I don't think swans have ever used a swan in their um, visual imagery. <laughs> not to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge. Interesting. Um, so you came, you, you came in Children of God in '87. Uh, so that's that for me. It was kind of a, a transition period in their in their music. Uh, they, they were clearly at the point had made had made a move. It had been signalled on earlier albums, but had definitely made that transition to a to a much more complex, uh, richly textured kind of kind of act. Um, it's certainly in the mu in the music, and I think that's reflected in in the graphics of that period. So I, I my, my introduction to them was through the very stark, quite kind of brutal um, artistic expressions of kind of capitalism and power that we see on the on the greed and holy money album sleeves. It's true, it's almost like a psychedelic um, uh, expression of some of the very early 
um, symbols and uh, um, stark uh, color combinations um, just beginning to um, expand and uh, with the religious imagery as well, the uh, mm. Christian cross and some of the other um, Eastern looking um, uh, religious imagery. It's much more complex, isn't it? It's a much more complex uh, graphical arrangement. Um, and I think that's reflected in the music. Again, for, for me, Swan's cover art is deeply, deeply tied up with the music. Yeah, so I, I ended up going backwards as well as forwards. So following the, I, you know, I never stopped listening and buying Swan's music. It was always, um, uh, I'd always be aware of release dates and if they were touring and uh, um, I, I, when they finished the first time, um, I, I was there. I thought, uh, you know, this this is a significant moment. Yes. So I was at, at once going backwards to um, uh, explore their back catalogue and forwards, you know, following their um, subsequent uh, releases after Children of God. Mm. And it did appear that, um, yes, they were the, the artwork, I think there's always been a very New York art scene um, uh, association with the... Um, or the wider art scene uh, association with the um, album. Um, I'm looking now at a, a, a curious 12-inch single from, I think the year is 1988. Uh, I, I, I can't see the date on that, but it's, yeah, 1989, and the, the single is I Can't Find My Way Home. Yes. And by this point, Swans really had blissed out. It's, uh, many of the themes were... Um, uh, dark, but musically um, far more complex and um, less seemingly less self-destructive. <laughs> well, this more, was more um, elements of hope. So this was from their, uh, I guess what we could say was their only foray into major label uh, thing. Uh, That's recording, right. yeah, um, the whole thing. It's, it's. I, I think it, did he disown the, the recording. It's one that I remember him expressing uh, the least amount of satisfaction with. Yes, there's a, there, there was definitely talk of, um, of how the, the process of recording in the studio with uh, Bill Laswell uh, for a major label was, was restricting and that it resulted in, in something that he wasn't entirely happy with. I think it still stands up very well musically, and I think, but I, th but I think imagery-wise, it, it also marks a kind of transition period into using other people's artwork on the front of their sleeves. Yes, so the, um, the image on the front of this single, uh, a gatefold single, I think it might be my only gatefold 12-inch single, mm. <laughs> um, uh, it it's a, 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 a lily by a photograph of a lily by Robert Applethorpe. Yes, as is the album from which the the single comes, the Burning World album. So I think um, that it's an important thing to um, be aware of is the the association with the um, the art scene. I think uh, background, certainly in the very early. Albums. There's, a, there's a, a crossover, it seems, between what some of the, the artists were doing in New York at the time and what some of the post-hardcore um, no-wave bands were producing as well, thematically and visually as well. I, I've, I've always been a big fan of um, Jenny Holzer's um, No Nonsense 
um, uh, 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 work. It's mm. it's almost closer to um, poetry than um, a, a kind of a fine art, I suppose. Uh, and really, her art is how she uh, expresses in what form, in what format she expresses her no nonsense uh, aphorisms. Um, I, I was writing some of them down earlier, some of my favourites, and I think the favourite, my favourite is, you are a victim of the rules you live by. Uh, another one might be, save a kindness, because cruelty is always possible later. And these um, very incisive uh, um, mottos, almost, with a, um, it, it seems to perform the, the entirety of her work. I, I think her work goes back to late 70s and it feels like um certainly you know the same part the same zeitgeist mm. from um uh, the early themes of uh, uh swan's own work yes i'm just looking up her work just to get the dates on that and so her most what uh, what we have as listed is probably her most well-known work is from 77 to 79 the truisms a series of statements and aphorisms and uh, which used a variety of platforms you know posters and and led billboards and telephone booths to 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 get those across to an audience and and when you you, you could talk about those those aphorisms those very bald strong statements uh got very confrontational statements in many ways you you, you could equally look at swan's lyrics from those early maybe four or five albums first four or five and the singles that accompanied them, and and pull any of those lines out and place them in the same kind of context, and, and the lyrics themselves become part of the design in that way. There's when you, I, I was looking at the back of the uh, sleeve for the twelve-inch single, a screw, um, which was from the is it from the greed album about that same time, and and again has the lyrics printed on the back, and, and no line of lyric is more than three or four words long and it's just printed in a list uh, down down the side of the back of the sleeve and any of those things could be taken as pieces of design or pieces like like Holzer's work yeah so there really seem to be a um, uh, people expressing very powerful sentiments with uh, the least amount of um, um, energy really if you've got something powerful to say, uh, this seemed to be the the, uh, the understanding, just to blast it out there. Mm. And I think it reflects a kind of, uh, if, if it's a dissatisfaction or a or a reaction to or a gr outgrowth of the kind of the way that capitalism brutalizes people, uh, the way that um, that power and control uh, affect people's lives. It, it seems to be playing with the, the same kind of same kind of motifs, and, um, and Holzer is kind of exposing some of that, and Gira is using the same thing in his lyrics and on the sleeves. Well, I think it's certainly worth having a look at um, what happened after that uh, commercial commercial album, the, the Burning World. Mm. It really seemed to create a new direction in um, the marketing of. Uh, 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 the Swans um, albums and a, a kind of a dual approach to um, issuing albums. So I was reading the, um, the, the text inside uh, the, the Seer, the newest album, 
and um, there's a, a long list of thanks. And the um, the the reason there's such a, a long list of uh, credits is that those are the funders of the album. And the earlier edition was a, a limited, handmade uh, creation, yes. and that this uh, what seems to be the um, uh, you know the uh, the album proper is actually a reissue. Technically, it's a reissue, or it's been funded then by another album. Yes, and um, this is something that Gear has done on a number of occasions now, hasn't he? With uh, with the Angels of Light, um, there seems to be that approach to in, very very much in keeping with uh, and and ahead of the curve, really, um, in terms of how things have been done, building an audience on the internet before they're commercially released. Get it, uh, establishing funders by by letting them buy into early copies and demos and so on and hand and also hand making those things that that, that idea that it connects you directly with the artist in all senses of the word. Yes, I think it means uh, just being that one step closer to. Um, it, it means that you've you've helped you've literally helped this uh, album be to exist and. Um, the whole thing of having a handmade sleeve, of course, means uh, you're, you're you're that close to the the artist. You can see the uh, the expression, the changes, the individual uh, nature of each. Um, if you were able to compare uh, two different editions, they no two are alike. They're um, uh, created very differently. Yes, I think it's clear that Gear is ahead of that curve because of ha just how dissatisfied he was with the music industry and the machinery around that. And, you know, even at the time of Swan's first um, dissolution, uh, expressed in very strong terms, you know, just, just how much the, they'd managed to separate themselves from that machinery just to stay sane and just to stay productive. Yes, I... I <clears throat> I'm interested to see where it will all it will all go. A lot of my albums, my swans, are not um, the the original vinyl. So, uh, in fact, m many of them were just issued on CD only. Yes. Um, so I think they they kind of dropped the format of um, uh, uh, album release uh, as a as a as a kind of an economic measure when they became their own um, self-funded label. Yes, I think as they started to get back the rights to their own material as well, um, reissuing these things in, in a different packaging, I think it was pro probably a commercial imperative. Um, but it also seemed like a, a kind of re-curating re of their own recorded output, and we start to see the, the imagery and the symbolism from those early sleeves really simplified and distilled into something something different and i think it's a really it's a really lovely transition and it made me uh, think this morning really looking at these these things and looking at the earlier releases that swans are one of the few artists where you really can dis because the the message and the kind of the kind of sense of those albums is is really very pure you can distill those albums or those phases in the uh, in the groups uh, evolution in, into icons, into um, pictograms, and this made, reminded me of, of what Jonathan Barnbrook has done with uh, with the V&A Bowie book, 
um, where he's attempted to do a similar thing in distilling elements of David Bowie's career into these very simple graphical pictograms. But Swan's, I, I think, really, for me, is the, is the pinnacle of having, having done that effectively. Yes, indeed. I think they were consummate, uh, uh, the consummate band. Every aspect of how they portrayed themselves was considered and uh, uh, designed. I'm, I'm, I'm just unfolding the contents of um, Soundtracks for the Blind, mm. which was, um, I think, this was their, their final yes. uh, record before splitting the first, uh, when they split the first yes. time. And um, what a magnificent uh, um, undertaking it is just to unravel the whole album. Uh, the, the CDs inside, well, the, the, the cover is simply a silver circle on a card background with a um, uh, typography and layout that's uh, quite uh, simple. So the, um, the, the relevant CDs inside are uh, just silver-coloured, there's no uh, text on there, and a copper-coloured CD as well. No need for um, any... Uh, um, I've, I've noticed if I've been playing Swans a, a lot and going through a lot of their CDs, it is quite easy to mix up the uh, un unlabeled and <laughs> texted uh, uh, coloured discs, which uh, from album to album may change only by the... Uh, very subtle shades, um, a, a huge uh, uh, folded sheet uh, with all the lyrics and credits, which is presented as an entire wall of text, um, by no means uh, easy to follow or sing along to. I think this is the point, that if you're um, hoping to chant or sing along to your, these, these songs, you're really going to have to uh, uh, work for it. If you want this information, you're going to have to suffer. It's all, um, uh, full, it's all in capital letters. Um, there's uh, uh, no obvious uh, um, pattern to how the, the text is arranged. The information is there. It's up to you to decode it and use it. Yes, and as I guess as the kind of final album in their first run, um, it, it soundtracks for the blind really brings together so many elements of, uh, of of Swans's history and career, but also projects out into some imaginary at that point future for the band. Um, and I know that Gira, at the time of release, talked about his interest in found sound, tape loops, recorded snippets. And this album is, is a kind of amazing, incredible collage. Of, and though we're talking about the music, we shouldn't do that. But but it kind of seems, seems like it is reflected in the way that all of those albums have been repackaged at the time um, and started to, to, to get released again. And the, and the graphics almost merge from one to the next. You could place those reissued albums along with soundtracks as a kind of almost like a, a non-existent box set of the band's history or at least the parts of it that Gira wanted to be out there it kind of even if you look at the reissues of, of Filth and Cop from the same time they they really there's a holistic sense of design to the whole thing I'm um, picking up a theme just by leafing through some of the um, 
uh, uh, packaging of um, when there is a photograph of something, it's really quite difficult to really work out exactly what you're seeing. Um, <clears throat> uh, the small photograph that appears on the reissue of COP and the Young God EP is um, uh, a distended um, obese stomach it looks mm. like or maybe it's a croissant no it's I think it, I think it's a stomach isn't yeah. it it's, uh, I originally saw that as a as a uh, part of a fist um, maybe that says something about the the music of, uh, of cop but it looked to me like the when I, when I first saw it as as the knuckles of kind of scarred knuckles on a hand it took me quite a while to recognize it as this uh, obese physical form yeah, so um, when they do create photographs, it's, um, it's a certain amount of uh, ambiguity about it. One, one photograph experience that uh, really struck me on opening the seer was the um, almost film, filmic, cinematic um, lighting that they've used for the, for the band photography. Um, it's almost like looking at, so there are six... Um, uh, color photographs of the the band, and it's almost like looking at stills from a Wild West uh, uh, film. Uh, certainly, a lot of uh, um, drama just just in the, the photography of those uh, those uh, heroes of the Wild West. It looks like. <laughs> well. The filmic element has been, I think, the cinematic element has been present in Swans for some time. Um, so I think it makes sense that that should should come forward into the visuals as well. Did you uh, mention that you'd adopted some of the uh, graphic feel to the designs um, in your own presentations? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I was looking back this morning and pulling out vinyl from my shelves and and coincidentally, along with Swans in the S section of what's become a fairly disorganised vinyl collection, um, out popped a couple of of um, I hesitate to say sleeves really uh, twelve twelve inch singles um, that I'd done uh, in the early nineties about ninety four for a surgeon, uh, a techno artist. Um, and, and I pulled out along, along with them some others I'd done for the Downwards label, the Birmingham techno label, very influential uh, techno label um, run by Carl O'Connor, who's uh, better known in the techno circles as, as Regis. Um, and pulled out some of these and, and immediately could see the, the influence. It, it, they looked like they belonged together graphically just from label designs the stark use of typography the single kind of a and b on the on different sides or or, sim or the the record labels logo reduced to a simple graphical element uh strong single colors partly out of um, necessity because of the the cost uh, and the budgetary restrictions of these th of producing these things and the speed with which uh the label wanted to get this stuff out but i did recall you know that even this was this was with a, a kind of 
techno uh, label or at least a, an experimental uh, label that wasn't afraid of electronica and obscure things. We, we were deliberately dis referencing um, swap the, the graphical approaches of, of, of swans and uh, other bands like them. I, I recall those conversations, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a perfectly, um, it was something we aspired to, that, that stark simplicity and almost brutality in, uh, that we saw was coming through in the, in the electronic music of the early 90s, um, just as much uh, as it had come uh, in the brutal acoustic um, and, uh, and rock, rock format music of the, uh, of the early 80s. So yes, it was, uh, and it's something that um, that I continue to to, to use in, in in my even presentations, as you say, in keynote presentations that I do for students. Sing single words, short sentences, large type, uh, you know, one one single bold typeface throughout. It's something that stayed with me. So the influence of this uh, stuff when I'm kind of growing up as a as a someone conscious of design in in the uh, um, mid-80s, I guess, um, is absolutely recognisable. Yeah, there's um, so much that I uh, use myself, and um, I think perhaps this was one of the first moments of uh, recognising the, um, the real power that graphic design could have. I think um, previous albums that I'd uh, been listening to were merely recognisable for their sleeve and that the sleeve didn't do all that much to uh, communicate anything further from the band themselves. Um, but uh, encountering um, very, very effective, very powerful, but very simple uh, sleeves really um, spelled out what, um, what good design uh, actually, actually was, and uh, yeah, I've, I've uh, certainly incorporated elements um, myself. No, I think it, I think they they still retain a power. Having pulled out those the early Swans albums, um, so sort of what I see as the kind of second phase of their development, in the greed, holy money end of things. Um, I think the power is is still there, um, and I guess at the time partly due to budgetary restrictions as well, that, that, that kind of use of, sing, of single colours, of, of two or three colours, very um, very clean, very uh, lacking in kind of photographs, which it all adds to the cost of production, and it all, and it all, but it all supports the, what they're trying to do with the music. Um, so when those things come together in that way that you can, you can work in a very simple way, I think it's, um, it, every, everything kind of gels and that's when stuff's really working. And, and Gira, of course, is intimately involved in the design of these things, even where there's a designer uh, or another a collaborator credited. It's usually um, that they're credited with artwork and Gira is credited with design. Yes. So, uh, and, and, that, and that was certainly a change, I think, in the, from the time of the, of the burning world onwards, where it's clearly original art being commissioned, um, in many cases a, a very richly textured painting, and, and also with Angels of Light, uh, some, of their, um, some of their output too. 
it's hard to separate any of this stuff. I was pulling out skin albums as well, and I guess some of that material has been reincorporated back into the uh, to the Swans' oeuvre by its reissuing on uh, on, on on new albums. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is it is hard to separate any of these things out. These different um, expressions of of Gira's uh, art. I think it's true for the the Young God label as a whole that um, mm. uh, even well, the early uh, Devandra Banhart albums I'm looking at and singles on Young God have have a very consistent style and format to the Swans. Yes, it feels like you're buying into... Um, this doesn't happen with labels very often, that you feel like you're buying into a certain aesthetic um, rather than just a selection of music. That, I think uh, when it does happen, it's really powerful. I think it, it happened with early uh, 4AD releases. Um, I was purchasing things because the sleeve was recognisably the output of Vaughan Oliver and 23 Envelope. Um, I... I guess that's probably one of the few occasions on which it on which it really happened, uh, alongside Young God records. It's uh, it's a good way to increase your um, your following, your fan base, is to have this uh, instantly recognisable uh, uh, quality. Yes, I, I, ironically, it's uh, the best branding coming from people who are ostensibly. Um, rejecting the corporate machinery and the way the way that the uh, that the mainstream music industry operates yes it's, it's very true okay so anything else we want to uh, we want to cover in swans it's, it's so it covers such a huge um, range of things but it all feels it's amazing that it still feels like a consistent um, thing that we can talk about um, but you know putting the, those those records side by side you, you just do see that the scope and scale of of what swans has achieved and i think that's that, that's again a reflection of of the music they are uh, it, it was clearly when when in in uh, in the 90s when they um when they ended uh it was it was clearly intended to be uh, an absolute full stop on swans um so you know i i do wonder what was what made the time right was it 14 years later or something yeah. like that to to reform or to at least acknowledge that what these musicians were doing together could now be properly called swans again it's certainly not not a case of them reforming for a greatest hits tour <laughs> playing to people who now got money to pay 30 pounds a ticket no, and this is um, this is a band who have kind of created their greatest hits package, which is samples of uh, um, dipping into their past or live uh, roundups in, in the, the, the classic um, money spinning way of uh, most labels who'd want to capitalise on the back catalogue, but in a way that really feels that at no point has it broken away from a longer three decade. Uh, uh, plan a trajectory of of how the band want to be perceived. At no point does it feel like uh, the design element has dropped or someone else has taken over who doesn't quite care uh, mm. quite so much. No, not at all. And um, I can't think of um, I you know just trying to think of any other band that I've uh, followed where there has been such a 
um, a long-term strategy, it seems, for uh, uh, presenting themselves in this uh, very effective way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it works in all kinds of formats as well, the, the way that all of these uh, things are reducible down to simple, simple graphic elements, very, very simply rendered, and that can, that can work on T-shirts and all, all kinds of stuff. Uh, I think that's um, it's, it's a stunning uh, body of work overall and uh, worthy of a kind of collect, collected um, retrospective in terms of an exhibition or a book. Um, and I wonder if we'll, we'll ever see that. Maybe it's something we should uh, we should try to yes, do. Yes, indeed. That's that's what we'll be curating at the VNA in uh, twenty years' time, perhaps. <laughs> do we want to do any follow up on last um, on the last episode? Because um, it's interesting. We talked about. I mean, we had some connections in today to things that Jonathan Barnbrook had done, and we talked last time about the packaging for Bowie's album and now we're two weeks later the the album is is there a physical element in the real world and uh, we were lucky enough last night to listen to Jonathan's uh, lecture at the Herbert Gallery in Coventry um, where, where I was I was surprised and delighted that he was uh, he, he was so open in sharing uh, Things about the development of um, of the Bowie album. I hadn't expected that, um, but it, it provides maybe some uh, some points for follow up there. Yes. Well, the thing I took away from that was um, how he uh, we I think we're both in agreement. It's a very powerful sleeve. The, mm. uh, the next day, it's a very powerful sleeve, and that we you know quite quickly decoded what. The meaning is a very uh, reflective, um, um, no heroes kind of uh, approach. I, I, I hadn't really um, spotted this the first time round, but the the typography or the the crossed out um, t original title "Heroes" is exactly what's being depicted visually as well with the obliterated. Uh, um, uh, album sleeve, yes. so um, very fine, very fine, very balanced uh, sleeve. And what a surprise it was to see some of the rejected uh, lead-up um, prototype, if you like, uh, versions of the sleeve with very colourful, psychedelic, uh, um, very graphics-heavy. Um, it really felt like, uh, you know, that's on some level he was trying to show Bowie what he was able to create himself. And uh, um, the the ultimate solution then being, well, he described it as being a, a totally non-design um, solution. But um, all, all, it, all that meant really was that it was a, um, a, a low, you know, how to describe it, a low design uh, but a very effective solution. And of course, that's still design. Merely the fact that it was yes. um, uh, anti-design. Um, um, well, I mean, some might say that is the that is the essence of of design. Really, the true the truest essence is the is is the elimination of um, unnecessary elements until you reach the 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 purest essence of something, and and you can't take anything more away from it. Um, and I think I, I think what was clear seeing the process of how he'd gone through that was was that the the fight the finished solution the chosen solution what was the correct one 
Yes, and he must have been thrilled to be able to, uh, because it turns out he's a big Bowie fan, mm-hmm. um, that, that to, yeah, to be able to present this um, sleeve that everyone's talking about and uh, largely uh, regarding as being a breakthrough point. I, I, I've mentioned that uh, it could well turn out to be our generation's Sergeant Pepper in, in, in the sense of um, breaking through uh, existing kind of standards of what uh, album art should be about. Yes, uh, interesting. I I think uh, we, we, it was it was great a sense of humour about about um, the reaction to the uh, to the sleeve design and the the very polarised response to it. And I and I think um, that we will see the sleeve turn up in best of the year. <laughs> Uh, and worst of the year at, yes. uh, in various places and coincidentally in researching Swan's back catalogue I, I've noticed in, a, in just a simple Google search for Swan's LP art design, sleeve design that two of the, um, the links on the first page, the results on the first page were one to um, a, a uh, review site in which what the the sear sleeve was listed as best sleeve of the year uh, last year and another to a yahoo music page in which it was listed as one of the worst oh, really? album, album sleeve designs of the year so that connection of, of hugely polarizing um packaging uh, is, is clearly clearly onto something there that if you if you if, if you can find people who love and hate it in equal measure then you've probably done something significant yes i i also think that uh, a lot of those expressions of dislike are rather of confusion of mm. um being uh, forced to rethink and i think that's always um uh, a noble goal with uh, with any kind of um, aesthetic endeavor is to uh, make it force people to rethink what it is that they're um, uh, expecting. Yes, I agree very much. So nice um, connection there, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll get uh, Jonathan um, over to Birmingham Institute of Art and Design to do to do a talk for us quite soon, and uh, and uh, if he's uh, if you'd like to, he's very welcome to talk about the work here on Reese Sleeves. That would be very nice. And perhaps we'll, uh, at the Swan, forthcoming Swans concerts, we'll, uh, we'll manage to, uh, to, to maybe introduce ourselves to, uh, to Michael Gearer as well and, uh, and pick up on some of those themes there. It would be interesting to, ha- to have a lecture from someone who's been so connected uh, with the creation of the music and the artwork and to just but just to really be interested in in the in the visuals yes that's true i think um most of the the artists will be used to uh merely well merely it's the wrong term but just talking exclusively about the music mm. when they've had um such a, a a strong input in the visual design as well which um might get as far as being mentioned as being strong or um uh, uh, recognizable but um, not so much further than that yes excellent so that ties ties uh, lo- the last show and this one together quite nicely i think yes yes i think so too okay so we'll um, we'll say goodbye for for now i think that's a, a nice place to to end it thanks again 
Ben, for all your insight and comments. Thank you. Yeah. And um, a pleasure. Yeah, thanks to Agents of Evolution for audio production. Um, you can follow Reese Sleeves on Twitter at RE Sleeves, just as it sounds. And uh, Ben, you're on Twitter at False Dog, that's right? That's right. Okay, so um, we'll meet again in uh, two weeks' time. But in the meantime, we've got a lecture of yours coming up, haven't we? Which we may we may issue as a, a little a little special on the Reese Sleeves podcast. Yes, certainly. Yes. Okay, yes. so. Um, we shall speak very soon. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.